This week's TribCast is sponsored by Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute's vision is for Texas to be the national leader in treating all people with mental health needs. Find out more at mmhpi.org. And Lone Star College works for Texas, providing real-world workforce training in state-of-the-art facilities to meet employers' demands. Find out more at lonestar.edu. Welcome to the Texas Tribune TribCast for March 3rd, 2023. My name is Matthew Watkins, Managing Editor of News and Politics for the Tribune. And this week I'm joined by our urban affairs reporter, Josh Vector. Hey, Josh. Hey, how's it going? Good. And our politics reporter, Patrick Svitek. Hey, Patrick. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, all right. So this week we're going to talk about property taxes. If you heard kind of the, the the speeches and the comments leading up to the legislative session from the big three, your guess would be this would be kind of the layup of the session. Everyone is on board with, um, you know, doing something to reduce property taxes for Texans. Uh, everyone is you know, on board with spending 15 billion, maybe more dollars on this out of the the state budget. And uh, everyone is making it a priority bill in in both chambers, the House and the Senate. But this week, we started to see a little bit of, you know, fissures in the, the 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 block of support for this. And and it seems like we might see a little bit of disagreement about how the best way to go about lowering Texans property taxes are. This came was most kind of visible in the filing of the House Priority Property Tax Bill, where we saw their kind of first proposal. Josh, you covered that, wrote about it. Explain to us what the House wants to do to lower our property taxes. Okay, so that is that has a lot of bullet points already. (laughs) Um, And we're about to if we can see a point, if we can like track like where our listenership just dips like maybe it dips like right here um so what the house wants to do now and just to back up for a second basically like how how the debate over you know how to deliver property tax cuts uh has played out so far is basically how broadly to do that do you Mm -hmm. just do it for homeowners do you just do it across the board um in the house and senate so far you've got 15 billion dollars set aside in the budget for for tax cuts and Mm -hmm. that uh could take a number of forms that could be but probably most likely the the big way that you're going to see it is further Uh, buying down of school property tax rates in English. That means that the state will basically chip in more money uh, for public schools as a means of uh, delivering property tax relief. Uh, So that is sort of the broad way that there there appears to be sort of broad consensus on that. Uh, But where you're seeing some division right now is how then broadly to extend other tax cuts in the senate so far that means raising the homestead exemption uh which is the uh preferred way that lieutenant governor dan patrick and uh state senator uh paul bettencourt uh or or kind of the one of the key proposals of theirs to deliver that that basically means that that homeowners would get 
you know, a, a certain amount of their taxable value of their homes shaved off. What the house has done um, as of yesterday is, is tried to figure out a way to deliver that more broadly, uh, not just homeowners, but also, you know, apartment complexes, grocery stores, office towers, you name it. Um, and the way that they chose to try to do that uh, was to lower the appraisal cap on on properties uh, from 10 to 5%. And what that means is that the amount of your home that rises every single uh, each year that can be taxed for uh for school district property or excuse me if if you're getting a little bit confused so am i uh it's a very <laughs> labyrinthine sort of thing so basically like what they're going to do is 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 try to carve out like to to make it so that as that the amount that your property value grows each year uh only a certain percent of that can be taxed for uh for school district property taxes so like right now like your your property the taxable value of your home can only grow by uh 10 percent when it comes to school district property taxes mm -hmm. what the speaker unveiled yesterday would tighten that cap to five percent and extend it to all properties in the state mm -hmm. uh, so pretty much everybody would uh, or pretty much every property owner would get uh, would see the the benefits of of this appraisal cap. Now that's a pretty controversial thing, and, and we'll probably wind up getting into that. But yeah. that that's 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 already caused tensions. Dan Patrick came out yesterday and said, you know, basically that doing that would upend what success they've had so far in slowing property tax growth over the past couple of years. Okay, so I, I want to kind of separate things out here a little bit. There's there's a few different points of contention here. One is, should the savings be prioritized for homeowners or for, should they be across the board, right? right. And, and basically, if they are prioritized for um, homeowners, that would, one way of doing that would be increasing the homestead exemption or keeping that cap increase um uh, just for homeowners it seems as though correct me if i'm wrong the senate proposals that we've seen so far are more homeowner focused right right a more on the well actually it depends on on what you mean because like they would uh if if they were to to put more money into uh school property tax buy downs as, as they sure. put it um and both chambers were to do that. That would be across the board. Um, but it's it's uh, in terms of sort of targeted relief, um, the Senate is looking more at homeowners and the House is looking more at uh, at uh, businesses, at least in terms of there are not just businesses, but across the board, at least in sort of these big proposals. Now, there's like a number of like different proposals flying around in the Senate that would that would say, you know, lower basically confer certain tax benefits to to businesses but like that the, that's the shape that these big uh proposals are taking okay okay and then the, another one of these questions is right you know certain buy downs 
have somewhat of a temporary effect because you're presumably not going to have a 30 something billion dollar state surplus every year. Whereas what the house is also proposing is to um, cap the growth, which would then slow the kind of constant annoying property tax increases that have been sort of a source of frustration and concern among, you know, homeowners in Texas for, for decades, really. So that's, but that's, that's already, we're getting into just like <laughs> just total weeds. Yep. Um, and, and like, there's in terms of like slowing the growth, I, the appraisal cap proposal is, is controversial for a number of reasons. One <laughs> is that, and probably the main thing that people will want to hear is that, you know, critics will look at at the appraisal caps uh, and and probably and, and determine that, like, you, you basically won't see a cut in your property tax bill as a, as a result of the appraisal caps. What mm-hmm. what, you know, folks told me yesterday uh, that I was chatting with was like, look, like you can you can lower the cap on the taxable value of your home, but city governments, county governments, school districts, they, they don't, they can just raise your rate Mm -hmm. to then uh, offset the, um, and to offset the, the, whatever revenue might be lost from the caps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so basically, like you won't see the final results in in your tax bill, uh, but you know I also hear mixed things about that because you also hear that uh, essentially like this will create like broad inequities uh, in who gets taxed. So if if you stay in your home for say twenty years, your your uh, tax benefit that you would get under this would be better than say the homeowner that just moved in next door. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- there's, there's a little bit of mixed messaging on that. Okay. I mean, let's, let's take a step back here because I think one of the Please. challenges, one of the things that makes this so complicated, right. Is just how complicated the tax system is in this state, right? You have, you know, we don't have a state income tax. We have the sales tax, which um, because of certain stimulus and the way the economy has gone over the last year is in large part responsible for the state budget. And then you have how the state pays for schools, which comes out of some of the state general revenue, which is sales tax and other taxes, such as the franchise tax and et cetera, et cetera. But then you also have local property taxes. And the big concern, the big thing that people are frustrated about the most when they complain about taxes in Texas are those property taxes, the biggest chunk of which are school taxes, but then you also have city taxes, county taxes, community colleges, et cetera, things like that. So one of the challenges here is the school property taxes, all the local, all the property taxes are set by local entities, not the state, but the state's leaders have been feeling all these concerns for all this time, all these complaints about my property tax bill is so high and there's a compulsion to step in. There's also a big feeling that we don't, you know, we're proud of the fact that we don't have a income tax and there are just very challenging ways of then how can you buy down that tax? 
how can you continue to fund the schools, which most people generally don't support cutting funding towards, while also not pissing everyone off about how much they pay in their taxes, right? And like ultimately what we have here, Josh, is a lot of fighting and a lot of complicated different ways of going about doing that where problems pop up if you kind of you put your finger in one hole and the water shoots out another hole. Right. And complicated is the right word for it. And if you made it through that that opening segment and my my long <laughs> explanations, dear listener, um, I think I think Matthew owes you a prize. <laughs> Okay, so here, here's what we are, are are going for here. And then what, what you laid out is a house bill that would reduce the cap so that one of the reasons your property taxes go up has nothing to do with the tax rate. It's because home values go up every year. Right. And so capping that growth at 3% could be appealing because it doesn't, um, it, it limits that property value growth, at least in terms of how it hurts you on your tax bill. But one of the things you're saying is, that only stays in place for as long as you own your house, right? Right. So, so, so this ahead. this is, I think, the most interesting part of this entire debate, which is basically the fact that this has essentially already been tried in California, where in the late seventies, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people were super angry about like how much their property tax bills were going up. So they put up all kinds of caps on like how much and some very strict caps on how much their property taxes could grow, how much the value of their home could grow. And that basically resulted in like the tsunami that is like washing up on the state's shores now on in California's shores, which is basically that their housing market was just immediately stagnated as a result of these these appraisal caps because if i have this benefit right i'm not going to want to move and then have to pay much higher property taxes than i was than i had in my old home it, it encourages you to stay put um studies have shown this which and which then puts fewer houses on the market and potentially right. drives up the cost of housing. Right. So like to some extent, to some extent, like there are concerns that this could heat up the Texas housing market even, even more than it has been the past couple of years, even though like it's cooling off now. Um, but, you know, if, if the state can't sort of keep up with, housing construction with all the people that are moving here and then put put up these caps you know there's a fear that that like that would just lead to more of 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 what we saw the last couple of years so then the idea of raising the homestead exemption which basically right now the homestead exemption for school is forty thousand dollars which means you kind of lop off forty thousand dollars from your taxable value right raising that to $70,000, which is proposed in the Senate, would save a few hundred dollars for, for, right. for homeowners. Exactly. And then and then using some of that big surplus money that the state has to buy down taxes. What is the argument? Why do we see that not being the proposal in the House? What is the what is the argument against that? So the argument is purely that it's not broad enough. And, and we should mm -hmm. note that 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 the speaker 
has not, you know, written off a homestead exemption. But he said yesterday, look, like it's just not broad based enough. It doesn't benefit the every property taxpayer. Um, it it goes to sort of a select few. And his and his argument was like, also look, like look at how fast our home values are growing. Like any any sort of benefit that you grant in terms of the homestead exemption that's fleeting um and so like that's that's kind of the vibe in the house uh on this question all right let's let's pause for a second here from our sponsors and then we'll talk about the politics of this texas conference for women don't miss the latest episode of women amplified featuring award-winning author chimamanda ngozi adichie and target evp and chief external engagement officer Laisha Ward. Find out more at conferenceforwomen.org. And Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, delivering quality health care to underserved areas throughout Texas by expanding vital telehealth services. Learn more at telehealthfortexas.com. Okay, so Patrick, you were at the Texas Public Policy Foundation's policy orientation, or you were watching it yesterday, where this came up both the House Speaker Dade Phelan and the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick were talking about this. And it was one of several issues where we seem to see a little disagreement. Can you just tell us a little bit about what they are saying about each other's proposals and what they want to do here? Well, it was it was bad timing for Dade Phelan from just kind of a communications perspective. He spoke about three hours, three or four hours before Dan Patrick. And in his speech, he kind of teased this proposal, made clear that they would be you know, proposing lowering uh, the appraisal caps. And then Dan Patrick, um, you know, three hours later speaks to the same crowd and kind of just craps all over that idea. Um, and, you know, says that it would be a disaster and it would reverse the progress they've made on property tax reform since 2019. Um, he didn't exactly, you know, and Josh and I discussed this later, it was a little confusing why exactly he believes it would, um, you know, be detrimental to the reforms they've made since 2019. But yeah. in any case, Dan Patrick made clear um, that this idea, the you know, lowering the appraisal caps is uh, basically a non-starter with him. Um, and so, you know, that really puts them on a, a collision course here. And, um, you know, I think this was, you know, we kind of saw this coming. I mean, Dave Phelan has talked before about how his top, you know, property tax kind of relief idea is appraisal reform. So we kind of saw this coming, but it just, um, you know, was put in sharp relief at this event on Thursday. What, you've you've covered quite a few sessions now. You've seen quite a few speakers and lieutenant governors argue. Um, and you mentioned in your story about these two speeches that there were other issues that came up as well. Feeling kind of given a getting a jab in about criminal justice legislation. Um, you know, the Dan Patrick threatening to require special session after special session if school choice doesn't get passed. How would you describe the temperature between those two leaders right now compared to other sessions? Does this feel like, uh oh, here we go on a collision course? Or does it feel like, yeah, this is kind of what we usually see this kind of posturing early on? Basically, what well, I'm asking. I think it's what we usually see from Dan Patrick. I mean, Dan Patrick has never been, as lieutenant governor, has never really been reluctant um, to draw hard contrasts and, and red lines with the other chamber. 
um, and sometimes even, you know, personally criticize uh, the leader of the other chamber. Um, so it doesn't necessarily surprise me because this is kind of uh, the Dan Patrick that we've all known for multiple sessions now. Um, what I think is more interesting is how Phelan is handling it. I mean, this is his this is his second session and he definitely isn't, you know, he doesn't lean into conflict between the chambers as much as um, Patrick, you know, tends to uh, do. But I do think you're seeing Phelan get a, grow into this position a little more in his second session and get a little more comfortable with uh, speaking out about his priorities um, in a way that you didn't see him do in his his very first session. I mean, that was, if you recall, you know, that was a, that the start of that regular session in 2021 was very, it was very weird, right? Like we spent weeks and weeks kind of debating like just how they were going to meet because of COVID. Um, Dan Patrick kept a very unusually low profile for the first month and a half. Um, and then of course we had the, the power grid uh, disaster and that totally, you know, kind of reshuffled the agenda. And so, you know, I think in the second session, you're, you're seeing feeling, you know, you know, grow into this position a little more. And, you know, after hearing him speak this week, you know, it sounds like he's getting a, a little more confident um, in kind of uh, asserting the, his chamber's priorities. Where, what do we know about what Governor Abbott wants on this? We know he wants property tax reduction and I think has what been promising the biggest property tax cut in Texas history this session, but has he tipped his hand as to what kind of proposals he'd like to see here? Not that I'm aware of, um, but I have some some just in reporting for for, uh, for you guys oh, on this. Ooh, <laughs> he just spoke great. here in San Antonio at a, a Chamber of Commerce event. And one of the questions he got on stage at this event, which was kind of like a moderated uh, interview, uh, was about the differing approaches of the two chambers when it comes to property tax relief. And, you know, in his answer, he largely, you know, focused on the fact that, you know, they're all united and wanting $15 billion plus in relief, um, you know, trying to focus on what unifies them. But he then did give a shout out to appraisal reform, which is what Phelan is prioritizing. And Abbott said that this is an issue that I heard about, quote, countless times on the campaign trail. He did not mention the homestead exemption in his answer. I don't know how much you want to read into that, but I did chase him down as he was leaving and I asked him. You know, I didn't I didn't hear you mention the homestead exemption. Do you have a preferred method between this and the lower uh, appraisal caps? He and he, he acknowledged me. He made a crack. He cracked a joke, but he didn't answer. And then he left. And so I think, you know, this this could end up being one of those classic mid to late session issues where people are looking to Abbott for some guidance uh, to try to iron out a compromise. Josh, one thing I'm wondering about is, I mean, one of the things that Abbott said um, recently at, a, at an event, I believe, Patrick, you watched this event, so correct me if I'm kind of misquoting him here, was that he would like to see Texas eventually get rid of the school property tax, um, at least maintenance and operation. I know that's a idea that the Texas Public Policy Foundation has been behind and working toward in, in some of its legislative priorities as well. I'm curious, like, what you see as the likelihood of, I mean, there's two different things that the legislature could do this year. They could give people a big tax cut or they could completely kind of reshape or do things that would have kind of like long-term reworkings of the way schools are funded in this state and therefore how this, you know, Texans are taxed. What are, how, how much movement do you see toward the latter so far in terms of kind of wholesale changes in the tax system. 
you know, I, I don't really see a whole lot uh, mm-hmm. in, in that way. Like a lot of the discussion so far has been just based purely on sort of dollar amounts where it's like, mm-hmm. look, like we can take 15 billion and we've got 5.3 that we basically 5.3 of that billion that we basically need to just stick into existing tax cuts. And, you know, we can pretty much use the rest to either buy it down or, or not. But like I haven't seen much in terms of the way uh, that we uh we would finance or you know in terms of like changing the way that we finance schools um, and i think it's also notable that there's that there are also proposals to to lower the sales tax uh yeah. in in the senate and you know you just kind of get left with the question of like okay well then how do you pay for any of this then because people are still going to want services but you know where is the money going to come from all right. Well, it'll definitely be an interesting thing to watch how these two chambers squabble it out and figure out what the best way to move forward is. Thank you, Josh. And thank you, Patrick. We will, I'm sure, hear more about this as the legislative session goes. That's about all the time we have this week, though. So thank you to our producer, Justin. And thank you to our sponsors, the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute, Lone Star College, the Texas Conference for Women, and the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. We'll talk to y'all next week. Hey, TripCast listeners, just a heads up that next week, former White House press secretary and now MSNBC host Jen Psaki will join us while she's here in town for the South by Southwest. While she's at South by Southwest, she'll be on stage with Chelsea Handler. Um, But before that, she'll be talking politics with us. 